You are listening to the Photobomb Podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boo Ray and Gary. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Photobomb Podcast. My name is Boo Ray Perry, and joining me as always is Gary Hughes. Hello there. And I want to start right off by talking about something that I hate. Okay. Because this is what we do on the podcast. This, I don't know why you wanted to do the podcast. And you dragged me kicking and screaming yes. into the podcast. You're like, you, you, oh, you've got to come to a podcast with me. And I said, no one, no one wants to listen to me talk. And you said, yes, come to a podcast with me. And I'm like, no. And you said, come to a podcast with me. And I said, okay. So we're doing the podcast now. Yes. But the reason I decided to do the podcast was so that I could complain. That's what really, that's my whole point. That's reasonable. That's reasonable to think of that, you know, I know you are concerned about education and sharing with your fellow photographer, but really I just want to complain. We should just call it uh, Photo Bitch Fest. That that would work, yes. That would be be a much better name for the podcast. If I was the sole host, that's what we would call it. Photo hate. So I go to a restaurant with my wife and here's, here's a thing, here's a clue that right off the bat, my experience is not going to be great at the restaurant. And it's when you sit down Anytime a waiter or waitress walks up to the table and the first thing they say to you is, have you been with us before? For the love of God, do not say yeah, uh, do not say no. Because if you say no, here comes a story You're gonna or, get the spiel. or there's a method yep. or there's some sort of special menu thing and you've got to know how to do this and you've got to do a backflip and count to four because we were founded in 1927 by a guy who had one leg and there's going to be a whole story and I just want some sweet tea. Can you just get me a sweet tea? When you first come to the table, go get me a sweet tea and then you can tell me whatever you want to tell me. But wait a second. I like the spiel, not because I like to get it myself, but when I'm at a restaurant that I've been at before, I know the person with me hasn't. I always, I even ask for the spiel because I like to watch somebody squirm no. as they get the spiel. No. It's my favorite look, thing. Yeah, because they look right out of it. They're, they're like, oh, really? And then they turn on your friend. They're like, oh, well, let me tell you how we do things here at the Fondue Restaurant. First, we're going to do da, 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 And you're just sitting there going, yeah. And they've got to sit there and look at the waiter and shake. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And we just we don't want to hear the spiel. We, can you put it in? They have video panels now on the tables. Can you put it in writing? Can you just, we don't. And, and I was a waiter. I don't want to have to give the spiel. You know, let's just get let's get rid of the spiel. No, um, I'm I'm gonna have to go negative on that one. I like the spiel. No, <laughs> you do not like that. I just want a sweet tea. <laughs> Bring me a sweet tea now. Well, for those of our listeners that are in other parts of the country, the uh, the sweet tea is various a staple oh, in the south. Oh, that, that, if you if you live in a part of the country where you cannot get the sweet tea, you need to move. I'm just saying that the country can be divided into two into two regions. There is the sweet tea. And the non-sweet tea. Right after you cross the Mason-Dixon line. I can't, I can't figure out why, you know, after 200 years of sweet tea, why has sweet tea not migrated to the rest of the... Are, why are there people in New Hampshire who are just resisting the sweet tea? You know, they're, they're picketing, we, we will not have sweet tea in our town, and I don't, I don't understand why. What's wrong with sweet tea? We have a Wawa gas station now in Florida. We have plenty of them. They're Wawa. all over the place. And they were only in, like, New York and New Jersey and up in the north, right. and now we have them. So we've got a whole franchise down here, yet we can't bring sweet tea to yeah, the north. Yeah, I don't understand why. It's, it's yet another failure of the south versus <laughs> yes. the north is we can't bring our things <laughs> yes. to them. Obviously, we do not have good emissaries trying no. to work northward with the sweet tea. When I was in Atlanta for the convention two years ago, my former assistant who now lives in Ohio, her and her boyfriend, we went to lunch. And we went to lunch. She said to me, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad to be here at the convention because I can get sweet tea. She's like, he doesn't understand. And he's like, what's the deal? You can put sugar in your tea. No. It's not the same. No. Not it's even not, close. It's not, I it can't begin to tell you how not even close it's it so is. It's so not the it's same. It's so Completely not the same as getting 
the sweet tea. I got some other news. Okay. I bought a minivan. Yes, you did. <laughs> you bought a minivan. I am now a minivan dad. And so it begins. So it begins. And no, our, our daughter has not yet uh, been born. Not yet. But um, I, in anticipation, I bought a minivan. And uh, I got to tell you, dude, minivans are freaking sweet. Let me tell you, I love the minivan. I don't want to drive one, but I've been trying to get my wife to buy one for years because I want to just you know drive hers. But not necessarily have one of my own because I have a big truck, and when you if you spend enough time a year or so riding high in a big truck, you don't ever want to go back down to street level. Yeah, it stinks. Yeah, so but I love the minivan. But here's the thing: I'm convinced that a car company would make a fortune if they would simply build a big truck like you know the Ford, you know Expedition or the Tahoe or or whatever the Suburban, but make the back doors open the way a minivan opens. Have it look. Just like it looks now, but have the minivan back door. Because for me, the coolest thing in a minivan is pushing that button and those doors open. Not only that, but if you've got small kids and they're sitting in the back of your SUV, you park at the grocery store, they open the door, bang, right in the car. Right, and you don't have that problem with that. To me, that's like the number one thing about the minivan is the doors. And I don't know why they don't just put those doors on other cars. I think that every single car should have the uh, like the the side like Lamborghini doors that slide up. They're so much cooler. Why can't we just all have those doors? Not the ones that go out like like right. Wings, the ones they slide, the ones slide forward. Slide they fly forward. forward. Man, that's so freaking sweet. They are, but I get it. I get the impression that it's not as easy to get in and out of as you might think it is. Well, but if it's a Lamborghini, you don't care because it's it's three inches off the ground. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's the other great thing about having a minivan. Very easy to get into and out of. This thing is the newer minivans are like a spaceship. They have so much cool stuff in them that I don't even care that other people are looking and laughing like, "What is that guy doing right. in the minivan?" Right. And we're we've only got you know we're only going to have the one kid. I actually posted a picture of it on Instagram. And one of our friends commented on it and said, wow, that escalated quickly. How, yeah, I thought it many, did, too. How when many you, kids yeah. do you have? Yeah, when you told me you were getting a minivan, I'm like, you're just, it's just the one, and you don't really need the minivan for a while, uh, really. But well, you just you want to jump in with both feet. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why we got the minivan. We got the minivan because, uh, reason one, if we decide we want to have more kids, we've got a car that's big enough. We don't right. have to upgrade again. Two, as photographers, and we do a lot of location work. We're carting equipment around sure. all the time. Um Besides that, I was I used but the car that I sold that I just got rid of is a Scion XB. It looks like a toaster. It's an 05, right, real, like right. like a little box with wheels on it. And that has been my car for 10 years. It's been a fantastic fantastic car. Great gas mileage. You can put the back seat down, a lot of cubic feet of storage. It's been fantastic for all my gear, light stands. And in fact, if you're a photographer and looking for an economical vehicle that's amazing for driving equipment around that's low cost, I would recommend that car. Super highly. The biggest problem is is that when the back seat's up, the trunk space storage is very limited. Sure. And so I'm thinking about having the car seat in the back and having our kid there and having light stands next to him on the seat thinking, no, no, I, that's not no. safe. I don't no. And you, do could, that. you could put the Scion inside the minivan. Oh, my gosh. If I had like the ramps, like Knight Rider style, <laughs> go back up into the semi, you could do that with my car. Okay, we, geek, moment. Geek, geek moment. Geek moment. Because you mentioned Knight Rider. All right. Here's the geek moment that uh, this is... And, okay, this is one of those things where now I know, don't tell this stupid thing because no one cares about this but you, but I'm, it's too late now. Okay, any TV show where you see like Knight Rider where they drive a car into a truck and the truck is moving, they don't actually drive the car into the truck when the truck is moving. They back the car out of the truck and they play the film in reverse. 
Because if they drive the car into the truck, let's say the truck's doing 35 miles an hour and the car is doing 35 miles an hour. The front wheels hit the truck ramp, fine. Now the back wheels are doing 35 with the truck. The minute the back wheels hit the ramp, you now have a car that's doing 35 miles an hour up the ramp of the truck. And it would shoot straight through the truck, over the cab, and out into the road. So what they do is they back it off the truck as it's rolling, and then they play it in reverse. I know that right now your mind is blown, and you're saying to yourself, of all the podcasts I could have listened to, Thank God I listened to this one because now I know how they put that car on the truck on Knight Rider. Thank you for that really lame <laughs> physics lesson, Bill Nye, the science guy. I'm just saying. When I, when I was like nine years old and someone told me that, I was like, oh, that's so cool because, you know, I didn't realize they're playing the film in reverse. I don't think it's cool. I feel cheated. Because you think they're actually pulling up into the truck. Well, I did until just now. <laughs> I'm sorry. Childhood ruined. You're welcome. Well, and on that note, let's go ahead and move on. We got a few questions I would like to address today. And a couple of ones that we'll start with. The first one is from Ben in Seattle who wrote an email. And he said he has an issue getting people to uh, be consistent showing up for appointments, people rescheduling or canceling on him. So I'd like to deal with that today. So what do you think, Boo? You've got to collect some money up front. People, if, if, you, if they've got money in the game, they will show. Yeah, I think we found out. We used to do a lot of, uh, we still do, but not as much. We used to do a lot of mini sessions. Yeah. on location for our actors and headshots and stuff like that. So we would line up 10 or 12 sessions in a day. And the number of people that d- that didn't show up or were late or that rescheduled or canceled or were just complete no-shows is, is exactly proportional to the number of people who did not pay anything up front. Yeah, yeah. So after a couple of times, I'm like, hey, fool me twice, shame on me. And so it was. And fool- Fool me once, shame on you. On you, it was fool me twice because we've done it a couple of times. And yeah, I looked at Julie and I said, "Honey, you can't fool me again." Said, we're never gonna, we're never gonna put anybody on the schedule who hasn't paid their session fee up front. And there's a disadvantage to that, only because um, the biggest disadvantage I find is that in order to do that, everybody pretty much has to pay with a credit card, and so you definitely you're paying credit card processing fees and stuff like that, and so. That does um, that affects a little bit of a bottom line by sure. a couple of percentage points, but overall, nobody nobody cancels, nobody fails to show because we always take money up front. Now that being said, um, are there certain types of sessions where you may not be able to get money up front? Not for me. Well, repeat. I, I, you know, if 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 I've got a, a family and I've been doing their family portrait every year. And, you know, it's the second year or third year, and they send me an email, and they say, hey, we want to do a family portrait, and we schedule the whole thing up. I might not then be like, okay, great, you need to send me, you know, a deposit because they love me, and last time they spent all this money with me. And so then, you know, I, and I haven't really been burned on that. You so know? what does taking a deposit do? One, it does, like you said, it puts skin in the game. And so in, are your deposits non-refundable? Well, that's a, that, that's a good question. Because um, you see that all the time where people say, oh, I had a wedding and then they canceled and now they want their deposit back. And almost everyone will say, give them their money back because otherwise they're going to be angry or you're going to lose a client. And I always say, okay, I, I, I get that practically. Practically, that may be the thing to do. But my question is, why are we taking a deposit if we're not going to keep the deposit? You know, what if they can cancel and get their money back, why Why did we take it at all? That's an excellent point. I've had, this year, we've had actually the most cancellations we've had, and not for any other reason except the couple didn't go through with the wedding. Right. And this year we had three. To right. the tune of about $10,000 worth of weddings. And so that was kind of a big punch in the nuts for us this year. Sure. But the, um, the thing is, we have a, a time limit 
and it's I think it's whatever you want to make it thirty days, sixty days, ninety days. We the deposit any money that you put down at the time that you cancel, we keep unless I have this in the contract and let this go out there to the universe. Always have a contract for weddings, especially. We even have a contract for portraits. My contract gets longer every year. And so what we do is if I'm able to rebook that date for another wedding, then I'll give them at least their deposit back. Right. You know, so, but if, but with a wedding, uh, 30 days out, you're no, there's no way you're going to have a wedding in 30 days. No. But for portraits and stuff too, uh, a session fee not only puts skin in the game, but it also lets you know your client is serious about getting it done. My wife is ruthless with that. I'm, I'm always, you know, if, if it happens to me, I'm like, oh, mm, you know, I don't, mm, uh, uh, I'm always like, they're not getting their money. They're not getting their money. We had a deal. You know, they booked me, they gave me a deposit, they signed a contract, and now they can't do it. We had a deal, and I'm keeping the money, and it was in the contract, and let the chips fall. She doesn't get, and if they want to, you know, and I know people who say, no, 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 if they raise a fuss, give them their money back, because they're going to go online, they're going to say bad things about you, and blah, blah, blah. And my wife is like, okay, let them. Uh, you know, that's, that's the price I pay for being in business. And I don't know that that's the best way. You know, I don't know. That, that is an interesting that, point, That though. you have to weigh it. I, I think part of it has to do with volume. Like you said, she does a lot of volume. My, my wife owns a beach wedding company. And like you say, I think a lot of it has to do with volume. If you get one thing a year and you don't want a bad review or something, okay, then maybe you give the money back. But you had, you know, three things a year, six things a year. If you're doing a lot of volume, you're getting a lot of cancellations. Well, now you're talking real money. If you're a restaurant and you serve 300 people a day, you can afford to get 50 crappy reviews and 250 great reviews. Right. If you're a photographer who shoots 10, 15, 20 weddings a year, like two or three bad reviews can really hurt your ratings online. And it does, it makes us vulnerable as small business owners for people to be able to indiscriminately just oh, go don't online get me started on the re- I, and I, say I, whatever I, they want. I'm, I'm vehemently, that's a word. Vehem, uh, vehement, I am vehement, vehement, vehement. I am trying desperately to just disassociate myself with all online reviews. Because it is so one-sided, and people can go on and trash you. Yelp is the worst. People can go on and trash you, and there is nothing you can do about it. Now, that being said about Yelp specifically, we're not using Yelp for business a lot yet, although I'm looking at it We don't use it, it right at all. Now. But uh, we, I do use Yelp. We travel a lot for work. And um, when you're selecting a restaurant, I got to tell you, although I read through probably the first 10 or 12 reviews, and I try to take it with a grain of salt, if I look at the guy... And then he gives them a really bad review. Sometimes I'll go look at his profile and maybe see some of the other things he's reviewed and say, this guy's just kind of a wet blanket. And he sort of just poops on everything. Right, right. Because he, he like, he's, he's that guy who is just looking for something. He doesn't feel important unless he's trashing something. Right, but I don't think everybody can be counted on to do their due diligence like that. Well, he, the, the only problem with reviews is that it's a lot more likely that somebody's going to go and leave a bad review yes. than a good one. I've got yes. thousands of thrilled satisfied clients and they don't out there. go they don't go leave a review do you and so you don't solicit them from clients oh or i you know i <laughs> here's what i got a bad review i had a uh, bad review about a year or so ago uh and um i you know and i i went around and around with them and explained to them no it was one of those situations where um you know they wanted something that clearly was not in the contract and was never promised to them and so she went and trashed me so after that then i had to start soliciting and this is another thing i don't like is that you're dragged into the review sites even if you don't want to play so like you know let's say you've got a review site that you're like this is my review site and you go and you solicit reviews for that review site so you have a good rating there and then somebody else pops up with a review site and you get one bad review and the person 
decides to go to that new site and leave the bad review. Well, now you've got to go to that site and you've got to solicit reviews for that site as well as this site and this site and this site. And you can't go to your clients and say, listen, if you do me a favor, would you go to Google Places and Wedding Wire and Yelp and, da, 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 and, and yeah. leave a good review on all these places for me? You can't do that. No, what we do is um, I think the, it's the feedback that we get from our clients. And I've heard a few times over the last few months that people have used uh, – people who find us online – the large majority of our business is word of mouth referral, right? And I don't think that that has, that's not really changed. Although we do get a certain percentage from online uh, search engine stuff like that because we have pretty good search engine placement. Um, so when people uh, find us that way, we always ask, "How did you hear about us? How did you hear about us?" That's our big question. If you're not doing that in your photography business, every person that calls, emails, comes into your studio that you shoot, no matter what it is. That needs to fit, start or finish every single How did you conversation. Find me? How the did first you find time. me? How did you hear and, about and me? Who referred you to us? How did you find us? A lot of times the answer is just like, oh, I think online. Yeah. And so you're not necessarily going to get that kind of specific which search engine that they use. But just kind of so you know what of your marketing efforts is working. Because especially if you're spending money on stuff like that, you need to know if it's giving you a return. Right. But what we've started to do is when people come into our studio for a session, we actually printed up these thank you cards. And the thank you cards are essentially, they say thank you, and they give people um, referrals, like uh, $20 or $50 off coupons to give to their friends. And on the other side of those coupons is their name, and it also says that they will get that much product credit towards sessions or products or whatever they want for every single person that mentions their name or brings in one of these cards. And we actually have a spreadsheet where we keep a log of clients who've referred up. So up. organized. I don't, just, yeah, every, every, it's some, it's, it's Julie. It's your, do you it's your think wife. I do that? I don't know. How long every, have you known me? You know me well enough to know I don't have a single spreadsheet to my name. Uh, yeah. My wife has spreadsheets for her spreadsheet. Okay. Because you, you do this all year long. We have this thing. We have this program where we do this. So we, we dot this I and we cross this T and everything. And I'm like, you know, with a number two husky pencil, pencil writing like a caveman trying to do something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have, I have no detailed, you know, well, what's your P&L? If I knew what a P&L was, I would get that information for you. Well, you knew enough to say P&L. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but that's about it. Well, here's what we do um, for that, going on with that, is that, and also on that last page is it has links to um, sites where they can leave us a review. Right. And we will give them an additional credit of some kind, depending on their type of session, for a review. And I always present it to the client as they're leaving when they're most excited, they're jazzed. Do not give these out after a sales session when they just spent three grand or something. Well, wait, wait, wait. I thought you said after they're leaving. When do you give it to them? After they're, you're done shooting with them. Oh, that's because that's the when they're excited the shoot, to see their picture. they're jazzed up. They've oh. seen some of the images in the back of the camera. They're really happy. Right. Don't give that to them after they've spent all the money. Let them go home and do it right then when they're excited. Have people check in to your location on Facebook. Just get as much involved as you can. But we've actually seen our Google reviews start to go up. It does take a while because probably one in every 10 people will actually go and do it. Right. And we don't specifically ask for favorable reviews because I don't necessarily think, go leave us a good review and you'll get it. Whatever review they leave, I'll give them the same amount of credit. I want them to be honest about their experience. We've got almost completely all fantastic reviews. Um, So your card says, go leave us a review and we'll give you... Right. And we'll give you a little something. And it's not like You're I'm... You're buying reviews. And I don't have to give them a sales pitch. I just give them the card. I say, hey, there's some coupons here that you can give to your friends, and you get credit for them, and here are some links where you can leave us a review, and you'll get more credit for that. Right. And I hand it to them on the way out the door. And that's the most that we do to play the game, but it has really incredibly increased the amount of activity that we have with people liking our Facebook page and people reviewing us on Google and, and Yahoo and stuff like that. So it's been really... It's a really, really simple way. Whatever lab you use... Miller's H&H, White House Custom Color, 
um, if they they always make these cards. We actually do like a trifold, right. double sided, right. and we just give the and people love to get a thank you card. It's yes, they physical do. you put in their yes. hand to take home. It's like yes. remember going to a, a rock concert. A rock concert. I sound like I'm 100 years old. They go into a show. A rock concert. When I was a kid, we used to go to a lot of punk rock shows down in South Florida and stuff, down in Miami and Fort Lauderdale. And I remember you could go with a $20 bill, and you could get into the show and leave with a CD and a T-shirt. And that was the most exciting <laughs> nice thing. deal. Yeah. Well, you know, they were at dirty clubs and stuff, but whatever. But that was really <laughs> exciting, was leaving with something, having a great time seeing a band you love and leaving with something to show for it. Right. And it's psychologically, it's almost like giving somebody something to leave with that is potentially good for them, like, for example, coupons and credit for whatever, really helps us out. And it, it's been really good for us. I do like, you know, because I'm, I, I do like the idea of giving them a card, giving them something in their hand as opposed to just emailing them and asking something uh, of them. I think that's a good idea. While I am on the subject of trashing review sites, here's another thing. <laughs> and that's the review sites that give awards for everything under the sun. Mm. Did you get did you get any awards this year? I know I just got a couple of awards just recently. You mean from like uh, wedding wine? No, I'm not, I don't want to mention anybody by name, uh, but it might uh, be something that Does it uh, rhyme with fetting for It could be maybe it might have a W in there somewhere, <laughs> but I think I won some award for what was the Oh, basically here's the award. There's an award you get if you get five reviews. There's an award if you have a rating above a certain amount. There's an award. And these are not awards. These are ways for you them to get you to put a link on your website back to them, which yes. helps with their SEO. And also it encourages you to get more reviews, which helps them with their standing in the community which gets and helps them on their site. Traffic to their site. It's pretty so clever. It's all about working for them. It's very clever on their part but I don't like being pulled into it and what I think is funny is that on Facebook last week I got one of those awards and I took a little shot of it and I put it on Facebook and I said whoo I just won this award and I would like to thank all my fellow recipients every single photographer on the planet (laughs) I did see that and despite that I still got comments from people going, wow, well-deserved. Kudos. Good job. Congrats, bro. (laughs) I'm like, no, don't you see? My point is that this is the participation award. Some people, Bure, um... I think they had, like, sarcasm cancer when they were kids. They don't get it. And they had to have their sarcasm muscle removed. Yes, they absolutely yeah, you know don't I mean? get it. They absolutely don't. They, they don't pick up on it, you know, in the least. But those are just good and decent people, um, unlike snarky, negative, hateful people like us. Well, you got to know the person on Facebook who just totally craps on anything that you write. Like, you know, when you go, like, my mom, will, you know, will do this or whatever, and you'll make, like, like a, a funny joke, snarky little comment about yourself, and then... That person who reads it literally and then just comes in and goes, well, you know, that's not true. No, I know. I know it's not. I know it's not true. It was it was I was making I was it was I I have to explain the joke. Now it's it's no good. If you have to explain a joke. Yeah, I I call them thread killers. The problem is it's really hard to convey tone and type sometimes. Yes, it is. Especially with people that didn't grow up with a keyboard in their hands. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And there still is no good sarcasm emoticon. That's true. If we need a. We, I don't. Even, I, I don't even think we need an emoticon. We need a punctuation mar- uh, mark. We, we we need some form of punctuation. So like you do a you do, you know you you write out something. You put a question mark and then you put the sarcasm mark so that people know this is delivered with sar. Could it be any hotter when it's actually cold? You know. And then there here's the sarcasm mark. Be a giant. Flashing middle finger, or, or something. just something, just you like, know, just you know, the, the, I'm being sarcastic. It would have to be five times the size of a regular emoji, just so make sure that people would get it. You got your regular size emoji, your sarcasm, like okay, they're. Being I don't even, sarcastic. I don't even know. Not even, I hate emojis, and you're gonna find this out 
I'm guessing, well, unless, of course, it's some sort of holographic mental emoji by the time your daughter reaches the age. But my daughters are 9 and 11, and they are emoji crazy. They, they don't even talk anymore online. It's all emojis. You, I'll put something on Instagram, and my daughter will comment with 16 emojis in a world. And it's like you're supposed to read these. It's like hieroglyphics. Like I'm supposed to look at that and figure out what these emojis say. Why don't you just say, I like your picture, instead of, okay, here's uh, an L and a unicorn and a picture of a camera. And, and, and so yeah, I've got, hello, what am I, in the Sahara Desert, uh, 1947, opening up a tomb? Yeah. Well, actually, that would be in Egypt. But my point is... The emojis have gotten out of hand, and you're. I'm, I'm just. I'm so happy that you are going to have a baby and a, and a baby girl because I know what's in store for you, and I'm going to so thoroughly enjoy watching you experience it for the first time. Thanks, I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the good and the the good and the bad and the funny because we had a conversation the other day. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We were at lunch. And I told you a story, which I won't even repeat here. This is how bad it was. But it had to do with my daughter and my wife and the discussion that they were having that was female part related. And you listened to that story. And then the next day on Facebook, you said something about, anytime I hear any discussion of female parts, I get jumpy. And when I read that, I thought, oh, my. I think my. that's paraphrased. But, I, but you, it was jumpy. You were just like, you, I don't want to hear that. You know, I don't want to hear that discussion. And I thought, oh, my God, he must have been so uncomfortable no, at no, lunch no. yesterday when I told him this story. But here's the thing. You're having a baby girl. So it's all out the I know, window. It's time to cowboy the hell up. That's really right. Is. You've got no, you. Got you have to. got to man up, dude. Well, here's the thing. It's not, and this is not photography related at all. But that's okay. I don't because care. This is photobomb. We talk about whatever the hell we want to talk that's about. That's right. <laughs> but it's not talking about lady parts that makes me uncomfortable because I'm a guy. I grew up in public school in America. There's lots of talk about lady parts. I have seen lady parts, but it's the uh, you know. There's two ways to think about this, but. It's two women standing right in front of me talking very specifically about lady parts. And it's something that happens a lot when your wife is pregnant. Yes. And, and so yeah, you get oh, yes. your wife and, the, and her doctor or her OB or a nurse or, a peep or the lady giving the childbirthing class. And I'm standing there with my hands in my pockets just whistling, looking around while they're talking about her cervix. And I'm sitting there <laughs> thinking like... And here's the weird thing. People there's, are, are... There's no man on the planet who enjoys hearing the word cervix. Cervix. Cervix is just... I mean, we don't like At your cervix. cervix? Cervix. Cervix is not a word you ever want to hear. Cervix. No. I know. I'm done. I don't I, need to I hear I had cervix. a male friend of mine uh, text me uh, yesterday, and, um, and his wife's also pregnant. And so he's... And, and everybody knows that Julie's really, really close and that it could be any day now. Right. And he's texting me. He goes, how dilated is she... <laughs> And I text well, I, him back. I go, I am not talking to you about my wife's vagina. And then he texts me back and he goes, actually, technically, I was talking about her cervix. I go, fine. Fine. Whatever. whatever. I'm, not, I'm not talking about that. There's a whole you. zone right in this area that I will not be discussing. <laughs> Just, what am I going to go get the slide rule out and go down there and oh. check for you? No. No, no. Uh. No. <laughs> no. How dilated. And, and there's a thing about being pregnant, too, and that is that there's no filter. People, because you're, you're pregnant, people suddenly feel that they can just discuss anything about that process right to your face or walk over and touch your wife yes oh and how does julie feel about it some women don't like that they're like you know why is it people you know it's not i don't want to be weird possessive like touch my wife touch another human being put your hands on someone who you don't know or know very superficially or are a complete stranger just walk over and put have your you hands had on a complete stu- stranger luckily we haven't okay because we don't have any friends yeah well there and you go we don't ever go out okay <laughs> No, um, it's it's been I I haven't um, 
seen it with us, but I but I've seen it so so many times and heard many women complain about it. Right. And I'm to the point where the way I was raised is that you just don't touch females. No, that, especially ones that you're not familiar with. And um, you and know, I'm I'm married, so I rarely get a chance to touch a female that I am familiar with. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, even when we're fo- like we've been photographing volleyball players, mostly girls, for the last few days, and it's a big part of our um, you know photography this time of year. And if I have to even move a stray hair, I even will get one of the other girls in line. Will you come over here and just move that, or one of the female coaches, wow. or that? I'll make sure that there is another adult person there, and I'll go. Honey, is it okay if I just move this hair off your shoulder and I take sure. like one you ask, finger? You ask and go. permission. So, like touching people to me is so intimate, and there are plenty of people who just don't like to be touched. And right. So you never know, and so that's hard being pregnant. And in photography, I use that a lot, and I think that people really, really appreciate it. Although I do have the occasional person that goes, like, "Oh, don't worry about it. Do whatever you want." Like sure. a lot because we work with a lot of actors and models, and these are people that are used to just right. stripping you, naked on makeup set. and everybody. They've got their hands on them all the time. Right. So, but in large part, uh, especially if you're a male photographer, you really, I think, need to be super careful about what you do and how you are perceived, especially when dealing with women. You know, guys really don't care for the most part. Right. Although still, a lot of people don't like to be touched. But, yeah, some people just, they, they really shy away from it. But we haven't had that experience with, with Julie's pregnancy at all. It's been actually uh, no weird cravings, no raging hormones. The worst we've had is some swollen feet. And man, let me tell you, those things get like pontoons. Oh, yeah. And I am it's on like the Hobbit. 24-hour foot rubbing duty. Yeah. It's yeah. been, <laughs> I said duty. But I've been on 24-hour <laughs> foot rubbing duty. And uh, that is at the end of the day. I just look over it and like, it's just this gigantic swollen foot. And I'm just thinking, she never complains. And it's amazing to me. It, we, yeah. we have talked about this yes. before. If men had yes. to be pregnant. Oh, we'd have fixed that be- years ago. <laughs> Pregnancy would be a dream, man. You, there would be no pain. You would be in some sort of Babies suspended hybolic. Babies in bottles. Yeah, there'd be like a zero gravity chamber that you lived in for six of the months. And, and there would be no, it would be perfect and easy. Or you'd easy go to the and, baby store and just pick a baby off yes, the shelf. Yes, we would have water. solved that problem. We would have solved that problem. The amount of pain that women deal with on a monthly basis and when they have pregnancy, if a man had to experience that, my wife said the other day, she goes, I would like for every man in the world to experience it for just one day what I have to do every single We'd month. We'd be crying. Yes, we would, and we would solve it. We would put all of the, all of the uh, science, all medical science, all the science. There would be no wars until we solve this problem. It would have been solved in the 1700s. Yes, they absolutely. Would have, they would have knocked that out back That's there right. with like whooping cough and That's stuff. That's right. Like be... Ramses and the Black Plague, it would have been cured because we would not put up with it. It would we be a newborn inoculation to inoculate you against anything related to that at all. Now I'm going to come all the way back full circle to what originally started this conversation because I just thought of something else. We were talking about people not showing up. Yes. <laughs> This is totally related to what we were just about. People I know. Well, well, you know, we got to come back around. We, just wanna, we haven't forgotten that we're supposed to be talking about photography. Ben, and you were talking about brother. let's get some money up front. And the other thing that I think uh, helps a lot anyway that I always like to do is I always like to send a confirmation email the day of. Send a confirmation email. Make them come back to you and say, yes, I'm going to be there. And I use this program called Boomerang. And if you use Gmail, it's fantastic. You have to use the Chrome browser. But if you use Gmail and Chrome browser, it's called Boomerang. And with Boomerang, you can schedule emails to be sent out at later dates. So if I'm corresponding by email with somebody, and I'm like, okay, what about uh, Thursday on this day? Thursday, and they come back, yeah, that'd be great. Okay, great. What about 4.30 on Thursday the 29th? They go, great. I go, great. See you then. And then I immediately write another email. Hey, just confirming that we're meeting today. And I set that to send on that day, and then I'm done. It'll automatically go to them on that day, and I don't have to worry about it or think about it. And a lot of times I forget, and then 
that day, I'll get an email from him going, yes, I'll be there. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I'll forget that I had set up this automatic confirmation email to go out. There's another really cool service. Um, there are plenty of places that do it, and it's called Business SMS. And it's basically uh, text reminding people. You oh, that's can, cool. You can set up text reminders in advance for people's appointments, which is another way to solve this problem. Um, in fact, there's a, there's a few systems that are used by businesses like hair salons and places like that that use it a lot, and it sends a text because people are so on their phones all the time now. Even an email may not get through We talk when we talk about how much junk email people get. Sure. A text is going to go right into their hand because you know 60% of the day that somebody's awake, their phone is going to be in their hand. I feel that, um, that there's – I know that there's a shift, and I feel that I might be needing to take more advantage of it, and that is the millennials, as they're coming along – I'm thinking maybe I need to start trying to figure out how to communicate more by text and less by email. Do you do you, do you see that at all? Do you think? Absolutely. Yeah. We have well, especially our clients that are probably under 30. Texting is a fantastic way. Texting, uh, messaging using like WhatsApp and different things right. like that. I use a program called um, Mighty Text. And what it does is it, it connects to your phone and puts uh, all of your texts from your phone on your tablet and on your computer. Mm-hmm. So when I'm sitting at my computer working and someone texts me, it pops up on my computer and I can answer it right if there. If you were using Mac, that would be built in. You wouldn't have to have a well, third-party app to do that. excuse me, Mr. <laughs> Mac user. <laughs> hey. Is that the same Mac that we spent two hours trying to get the software to work correctly on today? Um we, yes, I, I think it, yeah, you I think that's a yes. on your PC yes, the same that, amount of time. No, uh, but let me tell you, out of the two computers, which one did we end up being able to get to work? The Mac, but that's uh, because you, you uh, were working on that. Uh, gotcha. Mac wins. Okay. Right. Uh, no, uh, but that being said, there's some great ways to keep your clients in touch with you. And text, I believe, is fantastic, and it's going to be the future of dealing with your clients. The only problem right now with text is if you're using your actual cell phone to text clients, they've got your cell phone and they can text you whenever they want. And they do. And they do. They absolutely Which do. Which is why I recommend using a third-party SMS for business so that they can te- They don't text back and it doesn't go to your cell phone. So, oh, so when you send out these uh, the confirmations or whatever, they can't respond? Right. It's a third-party that they, don't, they can't respond to. It's just either a reminder. However, some people do have cell phones that they use just for their business that people can text back and forth, and they, and they don't use that at home at night or whatever. Right. But, um, I know that we don't even have a landline for our studio. No, we don't. It's either. all cell phones. No, and so Julie does manage a lot of our clients through text, and it so far it has been um, really convenient. And not only that, but if people are texting and calling you, you don't have to answer if you're at home. Right, and, that, and that's it. Took me a long time to come around to that to yeah. realize I don't have to get back to you right now. It's eleven o'clock on a Saturday night. And you've sent me an email. I can let it go. Let it go. You know, I can let it go yep. until Sunday or, God forbid, even Monday. Right. Because I have to have a life. And the, the new generation, the millennials especially, they don't understand that. They don't have a separation like we grew up with. You know, you have weekends off and business hours close at five. No, they don't, they don't understand to that at all. when a phone was a thing that was in a room yeah, but in they, house. Yeah, they don't understand that. Their thing is, I want to talk to my photographer, so it's 8 o'clock at night. I'm going to text him. That they don't think it's possible. Absolutely, about it. and that is convenient. But I do recommend, as we said, manage it. If it's if it's a Sunday and I'm with my family and we're doing something, I'm not going to respond to a right. work text. You know, 
All right. Let's put this on the bed. And before we do that, though, let's throw a quick uh, promo out. If you are going to Imaging USA this year in Nashville, Tennessee, please come and see me speak. I'll be speaking at 8 o'clock on Monday morning about the future of wedding photography. What time? 8 o'clock on Monday morning. Where at? This is at Imaging USA in Nashville, Tennessee. And what's the date of Imaging USA in Nashville, Tennessee? I do not know. It's... (laughs) The weekend of the Super Bowl? Listen, you're lucky I even could remember Nashville, Tennessee at 8 o'clock Monday morning. The full schedule and speakers are on imagingusa.org. Yes. And it's a good program. I'm going to be talking about the future of wedding photography, and I'm going to be talking about where I think it's going. I'm going to talk about how I learned to be a wedding photographer because I'm entirely self-taught and uh, just, you know, a lot of general tips and fun stuff. And and please come see me uh, at Imaging USA. And until then and until next time, uh, we'll see you around. See you later. See you later.